Hey, what's up, guys? So at New Norm Club, we're all about community and supporting each other in our journeys towards our personal and professional goals and, and just becoming the best version of ourselves. And that's why today I'd like to shout out the Real Estate Association of Latinx Professionals. And so this is the first Latinx organization focused on commercial real estate. And it was actually introduced to me by today's guest, who is a founding member of this organization. And so if you are a Latinx professional or in, in real estate and you're looking for some type of support community uh, and just you know just help uh, on your journey towards your uh, success in the real estate industry definitely go check out their website it's rea-l.org and so that basically says real.org with a dash in between so rea-l.org and if you can't remember it, I've listed it in the show notes as well. But definitely check out the website if this sounds like something that will be of service and benefit to you. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the New Norm Club podcast. I'm your host, Gly Gabriel. And we're going to be having yet another vulnerable, free-flowing conversation with a mover, a shaker, who's redefining the norm in the world in some way. When I was starting out in my entrepreneurial journey, I would always wonder how did people like Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, like what was life actually like for them when they were on the come up? What types of challenges did they face? What were their mindsets like? What what was actually happening? Not just the good, but also the bad and the ugly. In today's episode, we kind of go we kind of go deep and 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 get vulnerable um, with this next guest who who's willing to share some of that. And so today's guest is Andre Bueno. Andre is a real estate developer uh, whose focus is on the affordable housing market. So he's really focused on not just making a profit, but also making an impact in our communities. He's a, a dear friend of mine from my Wall Street banking days, and he's going to just drop some some bombs, bombs after bombs uh, around just the realities of entrepreneurship, the realities of of, you know, just like the affordable housing industry and and kind of the impacts of 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 current events and and such on on on, on his business and and kind of how he's been able to really ride that wave and persevere and take one step after another and continue to be resilient in the face of the challenges that 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 come up in in, in this journey whatever you're going through you're going to find a lot of value out of this because um, they're just nuggets of wisdom that you can take and apply it in your life uh, right now to get started sit down take a deep cleansing breath in <sighs> Let it go and get ready to drop into a whole new realm of possibilities. All right, let's do this. All right, so we have got Andre Bueno in the house, my brother from another. How you doing, bro? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be talking to you. Um, so, Andre. What's going on in life right now? What are you working on? Uh, um, right now, dealing with uh, this pandemic, um, it's kind of like in a rebuilding mode. Um, mm. My business on the 
West Coast is highly dependent on the economy. Um, so we're just waiting to see when movie studios are going to be back up and running. Um, and then our businesses in the Midwest are um, really suffering and feeling that volatility from really this last election. So we have a lot of uh, political risks out there that we were not as aware of, I guess, that would be affecting our business in the way that it has. Mm. Um, you know, especially with the outcome of the election, there are a lot of individuals in, uh, in Michigan that are not too, uh, too happy with, uh, with these results. So, so interesting so, times. Hold up. So let me, like, I want you to dig into that a little bit. So because of the results of the elections, how, how is that, what does that actually look like in with respect to the impact it's having on your business? Is, does that mean like um, people are um, not uh, not wanting to invest in real estate or like what like what what exactly is the impact? Yeah. So for uh, for California, for example, um, California is is very much dependent on the really the job market coming back at this stage. And being that it's such a you know an expensive place to live, um, there have been a lot of restrictions um, that have been placed on local businesses. So I mean, we've LA County, for example, we've lost eight hundred thousand jobs since the beginning of the pandemic, and that affects people who want to invest in real estate. That affects you know our renters who they don't have jobs or they don't have, they don't have a reason to be here. Um, so there's that, and then in Michigan. Um, We've had everything from um, our governor, you know, being uh, potentially or allegedly almost kidnapped. Um, we've had multiple rallies of uh, different individuals showing up at the state capitol with all sorts of artillery, and we're we're in the state capital of Michigan. We're in Lansing, so. Um, you know, the economy over there is highly dependent on uh, um, also on the Michigan State University. And given that a lot of schools are people are studying from home, people are working from home, um, it's changed the dynamics of how really our, our national economy is, is performing. So it's put us in a position where um, the well capitalized banks, the Wall Street banks, for example, they have their own uh, way that they're looking at this they're viewing this as an opportunity to um, maybe out the fad and acquire things back from uh, you know business owners who are not as strong or as resilient mm. and it's really putting us in a um, in a in a defensive mode let's say um, defensive mode in that they're trying to acquire your 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 properties or something essentially correct mm. and Acquire is probably a nicer term. It's more like foreclose, but yes. Yeah, got you, got you. Um, that's tough, man. Uh, how are you? Well, first of all, how are you doing just like as a human being in this freaking time? You got these businesses that are like you're trying to keep afloat. Like, how are you doing, Andre? Well, I mean, it's uh, uh, it's it's been interesting kind of growing from and through this experience. I mean, I've spent the last call it six years building up this business from, from the ground up. 
and to now be in the middle of a pandemic where any little thing makes me feel pretty insecure that you know things can just completely go away um it's it's a bit of a mindset game mm. and i'm feeling great today um not every day is like this sort of thing and it's kind of like this uh, this constant reset of you know wake up one foot in front of another continue you know taking the right steps in the right direction and luckily I have a great support system that's uh that's been that's been there for me so you know, I'm grateful for you I'm grateful for um a lot of my family members and yeah 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 um I feel you on that man it's just yeah you really could take it one day at a time um so so is your support system the people in your life is that like kind of like your go-to when you're in a t in a rough spot to to be able to like sort of persevere or, or, or are there any like um other things that you're that you're using habits that, i don't know sports networks or i don't know whatever like um is yeah like is is it the people that kind of really keep you afloat or are there other things that you also use as well it's the people at this yeah. stage yeah. I mean, relationships are everything. I think um, I think that that's been probably one of the biggest lessons I've I've had really during this pandemic is just being able to just recognize how how important important it is to have these different individuals around us. Um, you know, it's working with a working with a business coach. Um, I have a psychologist that you know I meet with. Call it every two to three weeks uh, and those are great I guess tools but really it's it's the people that you're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis because that's when you know they're noticing the small the small little waves and they can see whether you're actually like floating through the waves or if you're kind of drowning a little bit and you need to get brought back up and um, that's where um, that's where it's given me a lot of clarity in terms of like the people around us are are what makes this entire thing kind of go yeah bro I, I feel you on that how how's the you so you're you take you're doing therapy as well right now then like with your psychologist how's that going yeah, is, that, like, is that your first time doing it or have you done it before no I've, I've been doing therapy pretty consistently for i mean my entire life really no. um but i'd say like really Really intentionally, I did a um, after. I think it was. I did I did that Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within, and when I came came away from that, um, one of the things that really with me, it's like it's so important to have like not only our business in order, but also our psychology. So therapy is something that I've like went and sought out just to really work through how I'm feeling about just the struggles of one day the business is doing well and I have, you know, my, my best friend working with me and I have all these great employees and I'm bringing family members in and then at the snap of, you know, snap of a couple fingers or whatever, like, you know, your friends leave, you're not in the same cash flow position anymore. So you have to let, let go of people, mm -hmm. um, you know, the economy takes a dive. Like, I mean, these things really do affect how we, I guess, engage with 
the world and this isn't something that i like i read about it in books yeah and i'd study about how like successful business owners you know make it and and the way that um the way they describe it it's like you know yeah like i had this one business and then you know worked out and then we ran into a couple issues and then all of a sudden boom we're a major success but it's like they skipped that point of <laughs> when it was not right when it was not like a major success and they they you don't you don't really talk about like what it's like the going through those like sleepless nights the many many um you know challenging experiences with like having to let go of people you really care about or you know and really not being able to do anything in that regard um and just being in survival mode and i think that's like that shaped a lot of like how these last i'd say couple months have gone and and mm-hmm. and that's where like working working with a therapist it's been it's been pretty great not always useful but, <laughs> but in the times when it is useful i mean that's that's when it counts so i yeah. think that's um it's part of the process it's interesting you say that because it's kind of like um i haven't I've, I've only done therapy once and it was like hypnotherapy so it's, it's not quite the same but um but it, it was kind of a, a an amazing space to be in to like share with somebody like a third party who don't you don't have as much of a like you're not like they're not like your best friend or your family member they're like somebody else who can like bring in that objective point of view um so that was really powerful uh but um what i wanted to say was um therapy yeah it's kind of like uh i think about like how you go to your doctor regularly to you know get a checkup but we don't always do that for our mind and our like our our emotions and our like well-being in general and and then yeah sometimes it's going to be more useful than others but i think it's also important to just uh i guess have that some type of system where you get you can do that type of work i guess right absolutely and it that's that's exactly the um i guess the framework that i was kind of operating off of it's like you go to a you go to a doctor to get checked up regularly um i was a competitive athlete for many years so um i would always get like i was a bodybuilder for 15 years and i would always get blood exams um just to make sure that my cholesterol levels my lipids and um and different enzymes in my body were you know, pretty much in range. And that's what kept me really performing at a high level. So to be able to take a step back and think about, you know, the game of business, which is 80% psychology, 20% mechanics, how do you, how do you work on that 80%? And that's where like therapy has been coming in. Like I said, it's, I'm, I'm doing straight up talk therapy, you know, how do you feel what's going on in your life give me a catch-up um and and during those conversations like i'm walking away with um sometimes pretty unique insights into like how i'm really feeling i get Mm. pressed into a question that i don't know how to answer and i and i walk away from it like wow like there's there's a lot that uh that i'm suppressing and i'm not um i'm not trying to i guess kind of discussed there and that's uh that's the benefit yeah and i feel you and so let me see let's see how how, how deep you want to go with this but um is has there ha, has anything come up that you um that maybe you you've got you've grown you like you're like you discovered it 
and you've kind of grown through that and like you're at a place where you can like you're open to sharing about it yeah absolutely um i feel like a lot of the experiences i've had i mean um earlier this year i was working on a project um it was to acquire a shopping mall here in los angeles and um this is shopping mall. It's called the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Plaza. I'd been working on this project pretty much for like two years. And this year, I really decided that this was the year that I was going to go and put all my chips in. I saw what was happening with the economy. Um, while everyone was extremely fearful about the uh, outlook prospects of retail and what's going to happen with really regional malls, I viewed this as a tremendous opportunity to buy a regional mall and redevelop it and create affordable housing and um and through that process i recognized just how how i guess how many gaps i had in my knowledge while going through really that potential acquisition um, i didn't know who the major players were i didn't understand like how they were putting together their pitches um, I recognized that I was, you know, the least capitalized compared to everybody else. And on one hand, it allowed me to get extremely creative. I learned an incredible amount of things. Um, and during really through therapy, I would kind of go through and, and just try to handle each one of these issues as they would come up. And it's like every single week, it was something brand new, something on the legal front, or on the financial front, or on the taxes, or really on the community relations front. And I would sit there and think, how am I gonna solve this now? And, and I'd run to service providers who had asked for their help, and some of them didn't wanna help, some of them were not interested, some of them um, were just interested in just trying to charge me right off the bat. So it was really about maintaining that resilience. And I must have talked to four or 500 people when the entire process was all said and done. And, and therapy was, was a very, very big factor in helping me really kind of like adjust to the different challenges along the way. And really in coaching too. I mean, coaching played, um, played a tremendous part in all that as well. I mean, and just having someone who's, also running a business who can talk about more business related things and give me more um, personal development related guidance that played a huge role in, uh, in that process. Yeah. So you're going through, you're getting like nose after nose. Like I, I'm just really curious. What was the, what was the conversation that was going on in your head as, as, as it was happening? Conversation was, even though, even though I have the uh, the least, like the, the probability of me being able to pull this project off is not that high. No matter what, as long as I keep pushing through, I'm going to learn something from this and I'm going to grow from this. Mm. So even if I don't end up with the project at the end of the day, I still wanted to keep playing as hard as I possibly could and to never give up because even in a losing battle, I would still learn something that I can be able to apply in the future. Hmm. Hmm. 
Mm. That's amazing. So what was the biggest thing you learned, you feel like, from, through that process of trying to get this mall, not working out, like going through all these conversations? Like what, what was the biggest, or if there was one or multiple things that you really learned from this process? Um, I got to see the industry for what it really is. Um, I saw a lot of, like, I didn't, I didn't recognize how fragile people of color are when they're in positions of leadership. So for them to be in an executive like role, they have so much adversity that they're constantly dealing with that for me to make the simple ask of, hey, can you help me out so we can work on this together? That's a tremendous ask. And there are, there, there are a lot of generational differences between um, the baby boomer generation and really like millennials. And I'm approaching things from a, we can do this, we can work together, we can win together, we can all, um, succeed because you can get farther by working as a group than you can by trying to be your own number one person. I saw a lot of, you know, that baby boomer generation come back to me with questions like, why the F do I need you? Like, what do you, what, what purpose or what good do you serve? And on one hand, it was motivating for me to say, fine, I'll find others who do agree with me, or I'll find others who are on the same wavelength. But at the same time, it was also very frustrating to, I guess, really see that like firsthand. Um, I think other lessons that I learned along the way were um, that not, not everyone's gonna see and view the world from our perspective. So like when you're trying to level up and you're trying to play like at a, you're trying to play like a bigger game, there are going to be people around you who are instead of watching you grow or wanting to help support you grow, they're going to feel the need to either cut you down or simply take a step back and distance themselves from you because they'll start looking and seeing your progress as a threat to the story that they built up for themselves. And, and that was really fascinating to see how there was not a lot of um, individuals who wanted to spend the time to, to coach and give me the, the, the proper feedback of how, how to play the game like everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think it was going through that and just recognizing that on one hand, it's about finding your peer group that, that will support you and that will provide you those insights. While at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, everyone's on their own journey. So with me um, kind of going through that process, it became like I was finding and learning so much about myself as I was learning about the process itself. And I lost a lot of people along the way. There were a lot of people who didn't agree with me, a lot of peers who were like, this guy's crazy. Um, 
a lot of people who thought I was like arrogant and 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 it was learning about how how do those perceptions kind of come into play what's real and what's not and and how does that snapshot really affect the way I decide to perform in the future because if anything that one project it's not as important as what I can learn from that process that I can apply over the next 50 projects kind of going forward. So I was kind of taking a long-term view and really playing the long game in that regard. So that, that's, oh, there was so much there. Um, damn. Uh, I, you know, one of the big things that, first of all, you, you mentioned like the, the execs, the people, people of color, like execs who were like in this position of power. And I'm actually a little surprised to hear that they weren't like trying to pull up another young, you know, person of color that's like trying to make it. Um, that's, that's actually really like disheartening to hear. And, um, Hmm. Well, it's, it's, a- a different skill set. Being entrepreneurial is very different than being like a corporate level exec. Mm, and, right. and and the people that are the people of color who have gotten to an executive level position, they didn't get there by taking outsized risks. They got to that position by um you know, continuing to show up, continuing to do the work, continuing to play the game, continuing to fall within the lines, you know, deferring to whoever needs to get deferred to. And, you know, that's how they got there. I mean, um, you know, when you and I were working in investment banking, for example, and we'd look at the very few people of color who have managed to um, work their way into uh, leadership, if not senior leadership positions, you know, at Morgan Stanley, you understood exactly which, what role they were playing there. And they really played into that, in that archetype. Yeah. 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 I, I hear you. So, um, what, what do you think? Um, because yeah, you, we came from that world yet we're both like on this more entrepreneurial path or no on an entrepreneurial path. Um, what are the key, what had you want to leave behind that more proven stru- structured path and to like go on this one where there is, a, a, you know, there's more risk, less certainty um, and such. It was really the opportunity to create. Um, it was, I didn't feel like I had that sort of autonomy working in that like big corporate environment. And um, it's interesting because when, when I got hired to, to the role um, that I was at, it was a sales position over at Morgan Stanley. And the interviews really came down to um, them wanting to ensure that I was going to be a salesperson, that I was going to be um, going after clients and coming up with pitches and coming in with lots of these ideas. But then when I actually started the role, the role became, you'll come up with ideas in five to seven years, but now 
we just want you to come up with pitch books. So why don't you color these pie charts? Why don't you make sure that these, these pitch decks are completely aligned? And that was a very mind numbing role only because the product itself wasn't really that complicated because it, what you're really dealing with are relationships. So uh, um, I felt that not having that ability to go after my own clients and not being able to pitch and not being able to, um, you know, uh, hold my destiny in my own hands, that that's not the life that I guess I envisioned for myself. And, and I go back and forth on this all the time, whether, whether having left that environment was a better decision for me, um, only because now I'm completely in charge of all the decisions in my life. And, and I'm very much focused on, um, you know, how does everything check off? There are no safety nets in this case. So mm. it really comes down to like understanding like what, what do you want to get out of, um, you know, what, what do you want to get out of your career and how comfortable are you with really living in this, I guess, position of uncertainty. And that's, and for me being able to create has been a lot more important than being able to have the ability of, you know, consistent certainty. So it's a blessing and a curse at the mm. same time. Mm, I felt that bro. It's like, um, I always say to like my coaching clients, it's like, you know, we create our realities and, um, and I think, uh, one of the things that really drove me to entrepreneurship and I imagine like you as well is that, yeah, well, you have that, like it's on you, you know, and, and you get to like, to roll with the punches to create like, you know, a life, a business that, that really works for you. And, and that can add a lot of value to the world. So, um, that, that definitely resonated. Uh, I'm just curious. Um, so because it takes like a certain amount of, it takes, what, what does it take for someone to be able to like, to, to get punched in the face multiple times and, you know, and, and still come back up because like, you're, you're like, you're talking about like how you're like expanding and trying to get to like play a bigger game. Um, and you know, when you were in banking, like, and you wanted to expand and like create and like have more autonomy over your, 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 your life. And, you know, like, and then when you went to like this, 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 uh, real estate project earlier this year is like, you, you're like wanting to expand and, and you're getting punched, you know, and like, there's that uncertainty, like, what are the characteristics or, or like, what's like, what are the key ingredients for someone to be able to like, to, to still like get back up and to thrive no matter like what the circumstances are? I guess I'm, I'm basically asking you to describe yourself. <laughs> like, what are the, what are the things about like the, the traits in you that has you be able to like, just overcome whatever comes up and to continue to create? Well, I think it's like how we talked about in the beginning of the call. Um, when, when you're past 
all the adversity and you and you achieve that win, it, it's easy to look back and say, yeah, it wasn't so bad. You know, mm. I did a couple of these things and, um, you know, it worked out. But the reality is it's like it's it's just those small consistent habits that that you you know you build up over time mm. whether the habits you know in this case you know the habit of resilience mm -hmm. it's you get punched in the face breathe get back up take another step mm. it's just that and and, I, and, it, and like a lot of those phone calls were that i would hop on i'd hop on a call and and pitch my heart out about why this was the best project that people should be working on. And the person on the other end would say, okay, yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Great. And they'd hang up the phone and I would never hear from them again. And I'd call and they're busy and I'd text, they wouldn't respond. And I'd send emails and I'd get a, maybe a short email back. If anything, sometimes they'd bounce back and it was like, wow, like people are really, um, uncomfortable with, with approaching, approaching these sorts of scenarios. Mm. But I think that's like this, the skill set in and of itself. It's, it's just being able to understand that like everyone is wired differently. And, and as long as you're okay with making mistakes and as long as those mistakes don't kill you, um, then have at it. I mean, you'll always have the opportunity to try to work them back. Now, sometimes you'll make mistakes that you can't take back. And that just comes with the process. I think like mm. there, there are ways to minimize it, of course, but, um, you know, you, you don't know. And until either someone tells you and you're wise enough to listen or worse you don't listen and you do it anyways and then you feel it for yourself and you say okay well i should have listened and then you better learn from that standpoint otherwise what are you doing yeah um that's that's amazing and i i'm curious like who are some of the people do you, you know it sounded like you know there were like a lot of people who weren't really helpful in the process but do, do you have any role models or people or mentors or people that were very much like, like, you know, on your team, like kind of helping you like move forward and up? Yeah. Um, I had, I'd had a, a very, very strong group of maybe five to 10 individuals that I would lean on who were consistently showing up and making introductions um there's one gentleman uh his name's eric from oakland um he's a real estate developer he's doing the same thing uh or he's doing the thing that i'm aspiring to do and i would i would call on him and he would make introductions and i'd pitch him over and over and over and over again and i mean i'm i must have been pitching him for six seven months straight and throughout that process he introduced me to a lot of different individuals along the way um opened doors with different architects explained to me how the process works gave me a lot of feedback as to 
what was going well and what needed to improve. And it's like, it's through, through those conversations that I started to really recognize that like, it's not, it's not everyone in the industry that doesn't see this way. There are actual genuine individuals who are, um, you know, working, working to play as a team. Cause at the end of the day, it's, it's not the one project that matters. It's really the, you know, the consequence of multiple projects over a period of time. Yeah. That's amazing, bro. Um, do you, uh, do you have yeah. any stories of any, like, because, um, I know it's been challenging to, this journey of entrepreneurship, but like, I, I'm like, I know it's littered with like, you know, there are wins as well. And so I'm really curious to hear like, what's one, one of the wins that, that you cherish, no matter how big or small, but something that was really meaningful for you. Sure. Um, I had, uh, Right around 2015, I ended up uh, picking up uh, five apartment buildings in Washington State. So I moved to this 25,000 person county. Um, I had uh, about like 10 grand in the bank at the time. And I, um, and I put all that money towards like a whole bunch of used books. So I bought all these used books and I'm living in this like 25,000 person county. And, and I would just sit there and I would just read and read and read and just try to learn like as much as possible. Um, because there was so much I, I didn't understand about the business that I was actually in. Um, and one of the mistakes I had made was I bought a, uh, a portfolio of apartment buildings from a private equity fund that they were on the verge of bankruptcy, um, at least with this one project. And I acquired it and I had all these ideas of what I can do to improve it. I improved the supply chain. I helped, um, and mind you, these were like four or five bedroom apartments, like each one of them. So total, we had over 200, close to 250 people living in this community. And these are all like low income families making, call it less than 20 grand a year. So um, lots of meth, lots of drugs being trafficked out of there. And, um, and it was a huge win because we were able to like, um, help improve that community. We made it a lot safer. We got a lot of the bad elements out. And even along the way, there were so many obstacles. Um, one of them was, uh, there were a lot of like compliance related issues that I wasn't aware of. And here I am. 26 27 at the time or something um just really feeling the wrath of the state housing finance commission and the irs and um kind of working through all the various compliance issues and and it was a big win for me because like i went into this project thinking it one thing and then through that entire experience i learned so much more and at the end of it, I was still able to sell the, the project at a profit. And this was a really good um, kind of experience in what it takes to be resilient. Because a lot of the things that I was hit with were things I had no idea about. So I had to like understand what were the compliance related issues and 
how do I you know succeed when I have um, when I have you know state government that's like you know on the opposite end of this table for me and and how do you survive that and really looking at this as like my my first um, you know major move in entrepreneurship it really made me feel proud that like I can go through that and and I think it's like those different experiences um, they're no different than like my first job on Wall Street um, like for example like on uh, Goldman Sachs like not having been successful there what I thought was a huge failure for me um, turned out that it it created this chain of events in which I got to meet an incredible amount of people. I got to work at a lot of different banks after that. I got to work at a private equity fund, um, all to end up in entrepreneurship. So, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a journey in and of itself. And I think, um, I think there's, there's always good that comes out of every situation. It doesn't necessarily have to be a monetary good, even though that's, it's nice if it is, um, but it, that's not always the case. And I think a lot of times we grow internally and these are the, I guess the, the building blocks that ultimately, you know, show up in our lives 10, 15, 20 years down the line, at, at least from what I read that, um, allow us to be long-term successful. Dude. And resiliency keeps coming up. Um, where, where did you, and, and I love that earlier you made the distinction that, it's, some, it's like a skill, a habit that you can form. Like, so like anybody, no matter where you're at, you can like become more resilient um, just by, I think you said, just, just breathe and, and, and then take another step forward. Um, where, where does that come from? Like, where's, what's the root of your resiliency? Like, where, what's the source of it? Did, or, or maybe a better question might be like, what's one of your earliest memories of like really being resilient and, and that being a thing for you? I think a lot of that came up um, like I was like, I, I started off like I moved, I moved back to this country when I was 18 and I couldn't even get into a university because my transcripts from Brazil weren't good enough. So I had to, um, I had to go to community college. And when I was going to community college, I really felt like, I wasn't enough. Like I wasn't good enough to, to be in the same room as these university students um, who were going to your my local regional schools. And, and I remember feeling so much less than them. And then it really kind of clicked one day when I was able to talk myself into a, uh, a leadership program over at one of the big four accounting firms and uh, over at pwc and and it really clicked that i was like wow like i i feel like i can i can compete with these individuals they're not cut from a different cloth like i can do a lot of what they're doing um and as that journey kind of progressed i remember i would meet uh a lot of now our mutual friends from harvard and i would sit there in the same room as them and think, okay, like I understand that our education systems are different, 
but it doesn't necessarily mean that I can't outwork or or outcreate the manner in which I can create like generate these opportunities for myself. I might not be the most polished one on day one, but if I continue showing up and I continue improving myself just a little bit more every single time, I feel like I can, you know, I can I can stand my ground. And um, I had a coach, uh, his name's Owen. Owen would uh, kind of explain how important it was to keep coming back, um, you know, no matter what. And and a lot along the way when it came to like getting getting a job on Wall Street, for example. I mean, I must have done 40, 50 interviews before I landed my first internship. And even when I did the internship, I still didn't get a return offer. So I had to go back and do another 40, 50, 60 interviews to get the first job. So it's always been a struggle, but really playing the law of large numbers, eventually something's gonna stick. So I showed up to every opportunity, really trying to be, you know, as as best as I can, learning from you know the previous interview. And um, if you keep showing up and you keep working hard at it, eventually. Yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent, man. Um, I love that 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 this this just persevering, you know, and, and just know and just believing that hey, I I belong, I am enough, uh, I can. I can hold my own against these people. Um, and and it's, it's unfortunate that so many people don't realize that, uh, you know, like one of my, uh, my roommates, she, um, she never finished college and, um, and, and she ended up, um, she was a waitress for the longest time. And then over the last year, she became um, a, a computer programmer. And so she took a coding bootcamp and, and she just decided, yeah, I'm smart. I can, I can use my brain. I can do this thing. And now she's like making like, you know, nice six figures and at like a, a cool startup. And it's all, and it starts, it started with like her believing that she could do it. And, and so um, I, I'm really grateful for you sharing that story, man. Like, uh, yeah, because if you hadn't, if you hadn't been resilient, we probably we wouldn't be here right now. We wouldn't be such good friends, you know? So for all you guys listening, it's possible. Okay. It's possible. <laughs> Anyways, um, that was my little, uh, soapbox uh quick question or not quick question um affordable housing like why did you get into that specifically you know like real estate is like you know such a large you can like tackle it from so many different angles why were you so why was that the the route that you wanted to take so when i looked at the work that i was was doing and I looked at the um, impact I was able to have really with my work, being able to do something that affected other individuals who came from a similar circumstance as I did, um, that's, that's what I wanted to, where I wanted to spend my time, let's say. And, and through, I guess through the work that I was doing, like it, it just felt right to be able to go back into these lower income neighborhoods and be able to create like a better opportunity for these uh, different individuals. Like I, I remember going to community college and I was maybe 
18 at the time and my neighbors were these like bloods who were like um who were dealing drugs and these were young kids and they were always getting into fights always getting shot at and i remember one time i was late to school i ran out and they ended up breaking into my apartment and they stole like my laptop and my laptop had like all the pictures of my childhood in brazil and just like that they were gone so i remember just feeling so insecure like, like going to school i mean it was a 200 laptop which at the time was like an incredible amount of money and and i remember looking back at that experience and and while i was in school and thinking wow like i can't even focus on my school work right now because i'm worried that you know ray ray is going to break into my apartment and like jack my stuff so how many other people kind of feel that sort of stress of course for me it was very real and very visceral because it had just happened but think about all these working mothers and and you know single fathers out there that are like trying to raise their kids in these environments and that's like another another added stressor that's maybe running in the background maybe they're not aware of it but you know you feel tense when you hear that that car backfire down the block sort of thing um so in my, my i guess way of being able to apply the i guess lessons and skill set that i learned like on wall street to this kind of corner of the world i thought that would be my way of doing um really i guess it's called impact investing now or philanthropy or whatever but i also saw that as like a very viable business model just to have profit with purpose that's beautiful brother i i yeah thank you thank you for the work that you're doing because it's real you know i grew up in like newark and and east orange and and um i remember yeah it's just not the safest neighborhoods um and that does have an impact on us and we don't we don't realize it um but it's kind of like in the back of your mind and and you can't yeah you can't fully focus or be present um in school or with whatever you're working on and so um it's definitely needed uh are how how big is that space i'm just curious like are there a lot of players in the like affordable housing space like real estate space yeah yeah, yeah? okay yeah okay it's i'm sorry it's it's a what i've come to learn is that it's it's a it's a business it's a business like any other business there are um massive companies that are really great at building and managing affordable housing that don't really care about the impact they're just running it like a business um there are lots of nonprofits that run these businesses and they're getting uh cash-based compensation for for the work that they're doing and and sometimes they're getting paid really really well to do this kind of work so it just because it's low-income housing doesn't mean that there aren't ways to make the business profitable and that there aren't like you know high income earning opportunities within said businesses um 
so it's it's opened my eyes into like how these businesses are run and it really comes down to systems and processes mm. 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 it's dope and and like how are you doing things differently um from some of the other people in your space um i'd say the projects that we've worked on um i try to tackle the hard problems by thinking creatively on every single aspect of the business whether it's you know the different kinds of individuals that we bring on um earlier this year we were doing a lot of like workforce development we were brought in um brought in some uh, legal immigrants who didn't have any papers uh, any documentation and we're trying to get them in the system um brought in a 18 year old and a 50 year old and they did excellent excellent work for us and while they were doing this work we're helping them get their birth certificates from their respective home countries we're working with the consulates to be able to get them um you know an actual like tax id number then we're getting those tax id numbers and taking them down to the bank so that they could set up their own bank accounts and it's like we're going and taking someone who's not in the system and bringing them into the system um Another way is we're running a lot of our, you know, business, call it two to three years ago, we had an office in the Philippines that was handling a lot of our inbound kind of communication. So we're handling a lot of like our phone calls using um, really our own call center and, you know, using a distributed workforce when two to three years ago, that was something that was like very revolutionary. Mm. Um, especially in our industry, which is, it's a very local, it's a very like day-to-day um, managed industry. So, um, you know, even with how we think about construction, I mean, we've been looking at, um, you know, robotics and modular construction probably for the last like three, maybe four years. Mm-hmm. And looking at how do we do things differently in every single aspect of our business, like that. That's what I think we're doing. Um, I guess we're more focused on innovation and strategy because we're not we're not a gigantic shop. We're not uh, private equity um, or capital back um, at this stage. So it's being able to look at different business models and continuously assessing and reassessing what could we do different, what could we do better. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, and, 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 uh, and I think that really, um, you know, I always think about like how businesses is like really kind of top down and like, it, it starts with the, the founder. And like, I think in how you've approached your career, everything has been really creative and innovative. And, and so like that, and then even the passion that you have around like, you know, your own background with like, you know, living in, uh, you know, low income area in low income areas that I guess that kind of like permeates into everything that you're doing. Right. Absolutely. I mean, at at the end of the day, this was the story that I wanted to build out and tell and be successful. And so for me, it was like, you know, continuously working hard on um, really improving myself as much as possible to be able to deliver on that. I have a question for you, bro. Um, And like, where, what's the dream? What's the vision? Like, Andre, 
I don't know, call, pick whatever time frame works for you, a year, five years, 10 years from now. Like, where do you really see yourself and in and, and this business and, and the impact that you're having in the world? That's a very, very hard. Um, yeah. That's a very hard question because given, given where we are right now with this mm. pandemic, it's, I'm literally looking at it as like, you know, we just passed Thanksgiving yeah. then we have Christmas, then we have mm-hmm. New Year's, then we have the inauguration and then let's see where the world is after that. That's real. <laughs> if you could, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to let you slide that easily. If you could have, if given, if, let's imagine everything, you know, starts to normalize, like in, in your heart of hearts, where would you like, like, what do you see? And, and, it, and it's okay. It can change, right? Like, you know, as we get more data, things, you know, like, yeah, like, circum- like at, on November 27th, 2020, this is, what I, this is what I was working towards. January 21st, 2021, this is what I'm looking towards because the, the game has completely changed and that's okay. But like at this point in time, what's the, what's the vision or what's the dream or what's the thing that you're really like that, that kind of inspires you right now? I think what, what really inspires me is is the ability to to create and effectuate change. Mm-hmm. So that hasn't changed really apart from like what I've been working towards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way I want to be involved in that process is less operational and more in a strategic and creative capacity. So I'd like to be in a position where, where I could be doing that at more of a macro level versus a micro level, meaning not just working on one project, but working on a portfolio of projects and, you know, not just implementing, you know, on a project, but really implementing on a program. And I think, I don't know if that looks like me getting into some sort of partnership um, or me, you know, changing my business model so it scales better. But I think it's going to come down to something like that. Um, the way that I've done things has been great, but I've been so bogged down on very specific project level items that um, that's not, not where I see myself. And I, I think um, I, I always go back and forth do i continue doing what i'm doing do i take two years and drink beer and go to go to business school sort of thing i'm not i'm not sure what the future holds i mean this this pandemic has really rocked rocked me to the core um for me to question a lot of things um in terms of what what's the viability of of the work that i'm doing um how tangible is it and and do I really see myself like continuing to do this work? I mean, I've had family members and employees, like star rock star employees, go from being you know the top of the list to the bottom of my list, you know, and in a matter of you know a couple scenarios happening. Um, this pandemic completely changed a lot of assumptions that I thought were concrete facts about how my business runs. 
And um, so looking at that really from like a portfolio level, it's, it's kind of forced me to start thinking, you know, how, how do I consolidate and um, run maybe a leaner operation versus being as frugal as I was before. While at the same time, um, watching, watching the industry around me like change along the way. Um, one thing that's been really great um, that's come out of this pandemic is I started a nonprofit with a couple of other industry leaders just to help um, really bring up other individuals in our industry who are, um, you know, Latinx um, and who are in the real estate industry and being able to really provide a pathway for them to uh, be able to get access to institutional capital. So um, working in this nonprofit-like capacity, it's actually started giving me a lot more direct purpose where I can see that I can actually start to multiply my efforts versus me being the only one effectuating change. And um, yeah, it's just, it's thinking about things from that perspective. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And before I ask you the last, um, the final question, I, I just want to say, Andre, like, um, you know, I've always looked up to you, even when we were in banking, because you had this, this certainty and this, this drive and, and this like this burning desire inside of you. Um, that was just like, I hadn't really seen in like a lot of people. And I think that, and I've told you this before, but I, I believe that you're at probably, and, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, in part that it's coming at the, off the back of like so much turmoil, but you're at an amazing point in life where I don't know what's to come for you and whether that be like doubling down on like what you're doing right now, going the nonprofit route, uh, you know, scaling it or fit, finding a creative ways to, to, to be on a more macro level, like whatever you decide to do is going to be freaking amazing. And I'm just uh, really excited to see this journey continue to unfold brother. So the final question that I have for you is what do you believe the new norm should be? The new norm should be, should be, um, well, before I answer that, uh, thank you. I appreciate your support. You've been uh, incredible, incredible as even over the years you've been coaching me. So I definitely, definitely wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten to this stage um, without your support. So thank you for that. Um, as I think about the new norm, I think the new norm comes from community. It comes in being able to surround yourself with others who are looking to achieve and to inspire and who aspire to do great things, things that matter in this world. Um, I think the new norm should be focused on impact and bringing people together. And, you know, when we talk about, for example, like my resident base, like very few of them look like me. Um, very, very few of them have had my experiences. And 
and a lot of them are dealing with challenges I've I could have never imagined. And and understanding that everyone's on their own path has kind of like given me that certainty that like it's it's about like leaving leaving your mark in this world and like trying to leave it you know a better place so i think if we if we as a community or as a as a country can can think about how do we bring people together that don't look like us who have different ideas who come from different backgrounds who believe in different things and we're able to work together in creating something better i think that's how we can reduce the amount of friction and, and turmoil we have in this world i think if anything this last four years i mean that's been the the constant reflection it's it's um there are people that believe in different things whether they're right or they're wrong um but that's it's almost irrelevant it's the fact that someone has a different belief it's more about how can you seek to understand than to be understood and mm. that's not the, mm. the i guess the storyline that we've been fed it's you know they're they're wrong and we're right and you know, if they don't believe us, then, you know, forget them. That's, that's been what's, uh, that's, that's what the leadership has, has uh, expressed to us wrongfully, but um, nonetheless, it's uh, at least given us, you know, some perspective of, you know, if, if you don't have the right individuals in the right positions, um, you know, even even the best organizations or the best countries can topple because of that. So the new norm should be how can we bring people together and how can we, you know, recognize that we're we're more alike than we are different. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, Andre Bueno. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate the time. Hey there, I hope you really enjoyed today's podcast episode. As you know, at New Norm Club, we really believe in the Ubuntu philosophy, which basically means I am because we are. You know, a rising tide raises all ships. And so this podcast is not just a podcast, it's also a community. So feel free to go to the Facebook group and join and, and connect with other like-minded people, share what your biggest takeaways were from this episode. Also, do that in the, your personal social media so that we can get more people into this family so that we can start to redefine the world together and support each other and empower each other and inspire each other to be our best selves. And don't forget to tag at New Norm Club and at Glyvolner. That's me, G-L-Y-V-O-L-N-E-R, on any of your social platforms. And also, follow on your preferred podcasting platform, Spotify, etc. You know the drill. So, have an amazing rest of your day, and see you on the next episode.